Kia ora whanau and welcome back to another episode of Ngahiri Talks. I'm so excited about this corridor we're about to have. I have the beautiful Nikki. I was going to call you Nikki Timu, but that's wrong, eh? <laughs> yeah. What is your uh, full name now, Kari? Nikki Penetito Hemara. Nikki Penetito Hemara. Welcome to the show, Ewa. It's so good to have you here. Um, why don't you take a little moment to introduce yourself? Kia ora e te whanau, ko Nikki Penetito Hemara tōku ingoa. He uri a hau no Ngāti Ranginui, Ngāti Kahungunu me whakatohia. Um, oh, what about me? I am South Auckland, born and bred. Um, a rewa hard girl. I, mm-hmm. I always say um, what? two six seven, but it's like not a thing anymore, right? Because we don't ever. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> we got no like um, area codes. over thirty five. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, two six seven, rewa hard girl, and um, yeah, live in Otara now actually, and have four tamariki. Uh, Brooklyn Rose is, is 15, Kimiora Kohitu is 8, uh, Piata Wairua is 3, and our boy, we finally had our, our boy, and his name is Koyanake George Hilo, um, who's one. Um, Beautiful. Hi, that's me. Yeah, and so um, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you what do you do with yourself at the, at the moment? What am I up to? Yeah. Yeah, well, so <laughs> um, I finished up full-time work probably about a couple a couple of years ago now um and decided to put my big girl undies on (laughs) and um and go out and start some contracting and I think it actually came about when uh Koyanaki was when I was hapu with him and uh Dario and I were both full-time working and we were like oh this is just too hard we've spread ourselves too thin um so and, and it was we were really wanting to make sure that we found time to watch our babies grow, be part mm. of their journeys at school, um, and we were constantly feeling guilty either for having to take days off or, um, you know, when one of them were in Maui, then we'd have to um, call on the village to come and help us um, mm. so we could continue on with the mahi. And so, yeah, we got to thinking about um, ways to um, stop the fact that we were having our whānau have to work around mahi. Mm. Um, and nice. yeah, so we decided we were wanting to, I don't know, reclaim reclaim mana motuhake in the, in the, mana, uh, in the mahi space. And um, yeah, that meant one of us, not both of us, but one of us um, taking a leap of faith, not with anything else on the horizon, if I'm honest. Yeah, awesome. Um, and yeah, Those are the best ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting, starting our journey with um, having a, or opening up a business, a company. And so that formed, um, yeah, we formed Kori Collab, um, and Kori Collab is a Māori social change agency, and we um, are really about wanting to disrupt systems that don't work for our people. Like mm. that's a big one for us. Um, we're all about innovation and creativity, like you fellas. Yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that just goes um, sort of sits really well with our playful with nature. Our to tanga, yeah, eh? exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, um, and then also un- unlocking indigenous voices and, and creating some sort of social change for our whanau. That's that's generally in a nutshell um, what Kuri Collab is about. Mm. And then in practice, I guess that looks like um, at the moment I've got a, a couple of contracts on the go. One of them is in and around Māori play. Mm. Um, and having a look at that, a deep dive at that, um, what was it in the past, what is it now, and what do we want it to be, what mm. do Māori want it to be in the future, and what do they aspire for it. Is um, that from like a, like a active perspective yeah. or education? 
No, definitely active. So yeah. the, the contract that I hold is, is with Sport New Zealand Ihi Aotearoa. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's it's just a really cool opportunity. It's it's a funny it one sounds though. Sounds cool. It's a funny one because um, uh, I guess we don't necessarily ever define play. Mm. Like sport, really clear. You know, we play competition and, and there's specific codes. We've got your netball, your rugby, your wakaama. You know, they're all very specific things and then with active recreation you've sort of got your have a go stuff mm. um you know your bushwalks your um just just have have a go and then play is like everything else that happens in the gaps yeah. and so it's 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 something really personal and it's something that's self-defined almost mm. um and then it also overlaps <laughs> so it overlaps with sport it overlaps with um active recreation it overlaps with Create being just being creative, learning, um, Tonga Puro, our, our instruments and, and, and our art space. Mm. So it's all of that. Um, yeah. And so that's been probably hard in the first instance. Like the first task is um, do we define it actually mm. or do we um, let it be whatever it is for people? Yeah. So you're looking at play across all ages? Yeah. yeah. Across all ages. Uh, with the with the contract with Sport New Zealand, it definitely is um, the investment into um, our Māori play or play is within the age bra- bracket of, of 5 to 11. But when we take our Te Ao Māori perspective on that, we think about tamariki in the context of whānau. Mm. And so that could be all ages, yeah, especially yeah. Our, our pakeke and our kaumatua. Our parents yeah. play a massive role in the ability to enable play for our our tamariki and rangatahi and, and, and equally to our grandparents. If so, like I'm just thinking about my own family, like more so, mm. the grandparents are the ones that sit and play yeah, yeah, with exactly. our tamariki, you know, with my tamariki, I'm the one that's like, oh, go outside. <laughs> Leave mummy alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wants to play with something else. <laughs> so kori collab, kori has um, got a few different terms, eh? Yeah. Like I, I just think kori tinana, like moving around. Is that, that kind of why you... Yeah, named your business what it is. Definitely. So um, both Dario and I have a, a background in studying sport, um, and also just live and breathe it. So mm. all our babies are into something. Um, Dario is still into something. I did my Achilles last year, so I am not into something right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> You're studying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it just and it also plays on what you um, what you said before, just our sort of hotsu nature. It's playful. It's it's movement focused. It's um, it's all of that. Mm. Yeah, and that's what we're about. Yeah, yeah. That's our sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. I'm keen to like rewind a little bit and just hear a bit more about your journey mm. um, to now be a, a business owner and a a systems designer. Yeah, whatever that might mean. We'll dig into that a little bit later. But um, do you went to school in Manurewa as well? Yeah, and then like, cause what was kind of your pathway to end you up here where you are now yeah yeah well um so I started at Leebank Primary and then I went to Manudo Intermediate Manudo High School I fell pregnant actually I had um I was a teen mom um oh. if that's a thing with a m-o-m yeah um, teen, mom. teen mom um at so I had I fell pregnant at 18 um and then uh, gave birth to Brookie at, in my first year of uni um so we headed off from Manudo High School into um, Unitech and did a, a Bachelor of Sport majoring in management. Then I decided I quite liked studying. Um, actually, yes, and then I also had this thought in my mind from the point actually of which I fell pregnant with Brookie 
that I wanted to almost do something to stick it to the man. Mm. <laughs> like that was almost like my why, my driving force, because um, there were all these perspectives about me as a team mom at that point. I was, I'm not going to say I was like the meanest netball player, but I, I, you know, I had a bit of a career. I could in play, netball. yeah, yeah I could play. <laughs> um, and so you know that was a big factor for my parents at that point. Like you know, oh, what have you done to you know your mm. sort, sort of sporting career, and how is this going to work with um, you know you going to uni and and so there were all these, and it wasn't just my parents; it was everybody. Um, the disappointment on people's faces yeah. when when I when I fell pregnant, as well as the Oh, this is you're gonna be a good yeah it is it is um and i remember actually i i tapped into wanting some some support from um wins around um i just just some help so that i could continue to study and and uh, and potentially not have to um put so much into working because i had to provide for um now myself and for brooklyn and and they said to me they were like oh okay well you'll have to go on the sickness benefit oh like why I'm not sick <laughs> and they're like no but if you're wanting to get a benefit from us you're going to have to go on the sickness benefit and I said well uh, is that going to stop me from studying and they go well yeah it is otherwise you're going to have to go for a student allowance and then I said is that something that I have to pay back and they said well depending on your income with your f- your whanau and they were earning too much for me to be able to tap mm. into that and not necessarily have to pay it back so I was like well that sucks like all of that sucks, and yep, nah, forget about it. I'm just gonna get a job, and and I did, and and that sort of was almost like the impetus for me to go. I can't swear, but yeah, stick it to the man. Like you can I, swear? Okay, <laughs> yeah, like if you. <laughs> that's the PC Still one. Still couldn't say. Yeah, that's the PC one. Honestly, I'm a I'm a swearer, but in, uh, better not. Behaving, eh? I'm behaving. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So anyway, went to Unitech, um, finished the degree, uh, really proudly walked across that stage. Um, didn't walk with baby because that wasn't accepted, but um, walked across the stage with at Kahurangi with her, um, our Maori grad, and then um, decided to keep studying and did a postgraduate diploma in business, majoring in sport and rec, um, and then thought I'd do a little bit of a stint over in Aussie. Mm. Um, lasted all of five months, <laughs> and then was like, I miss home, I'm coming home. Um, came back home and then got a job at Unitech as a, um, as a tutorial assistant at that stage, which was choice, it was, it was mahi and needed to get back into it. Um, and then, yeah, I just, uh, well, later on down the track, I got an offer to go and work for the Village Sport Academy um, with... I've heard of that. Yeah, goodness me. With Michael Jones. It was Michael yeah, Jones's, yeah, yeah. Um, um, like, co-papa at the time. And, and I was ready to, to sort of head off and, and, and find a bit of a new journey. But um, Unitech decided, you know, what's your dream job? We'll make it happen for you. We want you. And so at the age of 23, I think I was, I was sort of thrusted into being a, a lecturer. Wow. And I had um, my first class. I was a terrible first-year teacher, I think. <laughs> Why? Too mischief? No, nah, just out there to sort of prove a point. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, as opposed to, like, just relaxing into, you know, it's not your job to know everything. You're 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't know everything. And, and just, oh, like... We do I, get like that when we're younger, though, eh? Yeah, I, I just felt like I had a lot to prove. One, yeah. I was 23. Two, I was a woman. Three, I was Māori. Yeah. And so all of those things I felt were things that I needed to prove that a Māori 23-year-old wahine could, you know, 
we, we can do it. Yeah. It's, it's all good. So um, anyway, had my first class. There was like 130-odd students in there and like totally shat my pants on the first day. <laughs> totally. And I feel like every single day that I had a lecture, I was like, like rehearsing my notes beforehand mm-hmm. to make sure that I knew my stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, anyway, second year teaching was way, way better. And then third year teaching sort of sat back into it a whole lot better. And then, yeah, I, I moved into other roles within Unitech, um, program leader sort of role, undergraduate leader. And then my last role at Unitech was as the um, associate head of centre for the Faculty of Social and Health Sciences. So wow. that was cool. But what way, a cool journey. It was, it was, it was. But uh, honestly, like, I, I think at that point it was um, too much for our whanau. Like, mm. uh, I was doing long, long, long hours and um, it mattered that to me that my team of, I think I, there were 25 FTE in my team and I just wanted to make sure that they were feeling protected amongst, uh, uh, there was, it was changing times at Unitech at that mm. point. We were pioneering something really, really new. Um, and it wasn't always um, perceived to be the right way. So um, there was quite a bit of backlash um, from from people. And yeah, I felt like a protective mother, if I'm mm-hmm. honest. And it, it started to get a little bit much. So I uh, finished up at Unitech and then headed over to Healthy Families uh, South Auckland. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, honestly, it was so cool. Like just coming out of the uh, 10 years of being in education or higher ed- tertiary education into, into the health sector and... Um, yeah, just like a one day I found myself at Manurua High. I was like, yeah, old stomping grounds. <laughs> and then one day I'd find myself at uh, Manurua Marae. Um, they had the Whakapikiora program for our homeless whānau happening at that stage. So it was it was just choice to be back out south mm. and to feel like I was giving back to the community that helped, um, you know, make me who I am. Yeah, and then I hit, and then the big girl undies came on. Yeah. And I started um, contracting and... At that point, I was a mother of three, nearly four. Mm. Yeah, so. And off you went, eh? Yeah. What an awesome story. What a cool journey. Yeah. I d- didn't know heaps of that about about what you've done. And yeah. I love listening to people that have kind of come in at, like come in as what, a tutorial assistant. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of it, 25 staff under you plus, I guess, and making some big moves. So that's mean. That was cool. That's was mean. Cool. But business is where it's at, eh? And it's cool to hear that you studied. Yeah. You studied it as well. Oh, yeah, sorry. And then in that meantime, I did uh, my master's degree. Um, just casually, yeah. Eh? <laughs> it was like the longest journey of all time, don't tell anyone. With a 10-year master's? Yeah, yeah. I had two kids in the meantime. Um, so there were three kids by the end of the, um, finishing wow. it. But, um, yeah, that was that was a choice. Um, the topic was on... Um, Māori perspectives on haka and sport. Mm. And um, so the good, the bad and the ugly about everyone's got an opinion about the haka and sport, honestly. Yeah. Um, and they were co- it was just a cool opportunity, really, like, uh, underneath all of, like, the topic and the research and all of that, it was just a good deep dive into who I am as a person and, mm. and why I'm driven to sort of want to know about that particular topic. And it, it was a fuck-up-upper journey for me, really. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Like, were you raised in te ao Māori? Yeah, I, so my father is Māori, my mother is, but um, she probably, she's one that sort of doesn't necessarily say it outwardly. Mm. Um, she doesn't look Māori, um, and, and she probably only knows a few things, so maybe that she's from here, but um, not too much about her whakapapa. My dad, on the other hand, um, sort of grew up on our papakainga in Bethlehem, in Tauranga, yeah. and um, tikanga-wise knows how to go about things. Te reo-wise, um, 
no. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But always, both both my parents always encouraged us to um, be part of kapahaka, to learn te reo Māori in any way, shape, or form that that came, and so that was sort of yeah, very much instilled in me from a young age. Was a part of kapahaka and. I, I probably and intermediate was when things sort of ramped up a little bit, and mm. I sort of um, was able to ex- was exposed to a whole lot more. Yeah, yeah. And then at high school, even more so. So, um, it's funny. My fifteen-year-old is has just finished Polyfest last weekend, and uh, I was able to be with her on the morning of her performance and help her get ready. And I was like nostalgic. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember. Can I this. come on with you? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not 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 that, <laughs> not that nostalgic. No, yeah. So I liked what you were talking about. I found myself resonating with some of the stuff you're talking about, and as um, Maori wahine um, coming up in life, and you start to see all of the the barriers and the boundaries and the mm. stereotypes and stuff that get put on you, and that turns into frustration and. Uh, rebellion and stuff like that. How does all of that sit with you now, now that you're a little bit older? Where are you at in this journey of, I don't even know what to call it sometimes. Yeah. Part of it is knowing yourself, but I feel like it's finding your space within all of that Yeah. and how you feel. I know for me as a business owner, it's something that I'm coming up against all the time. Yeah. You get judged straight away by one glance. Yeah. People will um, write you off Yeah. right there when you walk in the room. Sometimes I love it because it just it puts them off guard, and then other times it just frustrates me because I'm like, yeah, like it, it feels like you get written off for opportunities sometimes or, or passed over and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Well, I think you know the good part is that I it's it's always been celebrated in my family, so it has yeah, never choice. been something that um, you know ha- we've shut the door on at all. Um, I did have an experience in high school where. Um, I, it was my NCA year and I decided to take um, Te Reo Māori and oh man it was just such a bad experience mm. like, um, and it annoyed me. Like I'm not going to go into too many details because we're in South Auckland and you'll probably identify <laughs> this person but um, like it, it was just such a terrible experience and, and it annoyed me because I specifically chose Te Reo Māori because I wanted it. Yeah, yeah. I was hungry for it. And I was there to learn, and I was there. I was I was wanting it in every way, shape, and form. And and for it to sort of just be, um, you know, written off, um, annoyed me. One, two. I was a geek, so I I really um, valued my educational experience, mm. and I could have taken another subject that valued it as much, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and so that annoyed me too. And then it put me off completely in terms of um, learning Te Reo Māori from that point. So. Ugh, that was hoha. Um, but I think now, I think, like you say, you're always on a journey with uh, your ao Māori. And, and I think the Masters did me well in regards to the deep dive, like, mm. I, like I talk about. Like I went back to um, tracing my ancestors from the Takitimuwaka and from the top of the North Island all the way down to the bottom. And and it highlighted the overlap in um, my iwi connects as well. Mm. So uh, Ngāti Ranginui and Ngāti Kahunganui were part of the um, Takitimu Waka. And, and then I remember also having a conversation with uh, Dr. Hirangi Hiki, who he said to me um, when I was having, in, in the mahi space, I was having a couple of, um, I, was, I was 
getting pushed One up. ounce. No. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I was getting pushed up against uh, or, or um, people who um, weren't validating a Māori perspective. And he goes, mm. and I said, I don't know if I'm coming off well, eh? Like, I think I'm coming off as being like this aggressive activist, you know, wahine Māori. <laughs> and I don't intend on doing that, but damn, our people are going to have a voice and um, this is the way that it's it's coming out in, mm. in words. This is how I'm articulating it, good or bad or ugly. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, you know what you need to do? You need to go back and have a think about all the wahine Māori in your whānau uh, living in um, not and like just break down their characteristics and their traits and see which ones resonate with you and which ones that are, you know, whole part of who you are now. Yeah. And then that'll give you a little bit more understanding into the person that you are and, and your whakapapa. And I was like, wow, that honestly was some of the best advice that I've ever had. I was like, yeah, yeah. my nanny, she's fire, man. <laughs> like, honestly, she's the one who, um, you know, was never shied away from having a voice, never shied away from having her opinion and making it be heard in any way, shape or form. Mm. And he goes, yeah, cool. So, And then what were the other characteristics and traits about her that made her other things? Mm. And think about those and, and how um, they relate to you. And, and then you'll get an insight into why you are the way that you are and, and um, why you're saying the things that you're saying. And, and then you also, if you've experienced an interaction with her, know how it feels being on the opposite side. Oh. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because there were times where I did not <laughs> on the other side of the conversation with her. While you're telling me this, I'm thinking about all the wahine and my whanau now, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah the fire ones. Eh? Yeah. And even the, the real soft, nurturing ones or the ones that said hardly anything, but when yeah, they did yeah. have something to say, like it was like, Every word of what they said mattered. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like that, even that, like the skill in that is, yeah. is huge. And I think that's it, eh? I think whakapapa is what helps you, yep. is what grounds you. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm the same as I've learnt more about my whakapapa. I really struggle now to introduce myself all the way down at the, like, um, at the hapu level yep. because I just feel like it's, it's not enough of an explanation of sure. how much of my whakapapa runs through me and the different sure. connections that I have. From Tainui to uh, Te Arawa to Mātātua. Yeah. That's how I do it now because I, I used to only just do my one hapu in Rotorua because that was where I grew up. Yep, same. But the more that I learned and the more that I learned about my nan and her whānau over there and her whānau over there, my koro actually grew up over there, not over there. Yeah, it really helped build, I guess, my understanding of where I'm from, my connection, and that you can stand on yeah. regardless what environment you're in. Uh, what's coming against you or what's even going on inside of you, eh? Well, and the other important part about that is not just to name it, but to live it. Yeah. Eh? So um, one of the biggest things that we are a fan of, uh, Dario and I, is, is that our kids can not only name their maunga, their awa, their waka, but they've um, travelled their maunga, they've yeah. walked up their maunga, yeah, they've, the best, um, eh? you know, swam in their awa. They've seen those views, eh? Yeah. So it's almost like you're painting a picture when you share your pepeha, not just reciting yeah, cause it some does, lines. It, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's a memory, a rote memory thing. Yeah. It's a, a lived experience. And we, so we, we took our, our baby Piata, who holds our Ngāti Ranginui name, she, her middle name is Wairua, and um, Wairua is the awa that... Um, uh, we fuck up papa too in that space. Anyway, we took her to Mawal when we were down there last time, and it was funny, eh? Just seeing how um, she travelled up the Monga in comparison to our Kimiora who travelled up the Monga. 
So our Kimi Ora is like the most sporty of all the children. Mm. Um, she's sort of like naturally talented. She's she's da. She's <laughs> <laughs> naturally talented in in that space. And then Piata, she you know she, catch her on a good day and you're good. Catch her on a bad day and she's in a mood. Nah, yeah, don't yeah, even yeah. talk to her. She won't give you anything. <laughs> anyway, she's like, like that nanny you were talking she, about. She eh? is. She hurt me. Nan, same, same. <laughs> um, but anyway, we took her up mobile and it was so cool, eh? Like, um, watching her in comparison to Kimi Ora. So she almost skipped up the maunga. Mm. Like, she was so happy. She was stopping to talk to the sheep. Uh, she was grabbing <laughs> leaves off the, um, you know, rako. She was picking up stones and she was having the best time. Kimi Ora was huffing and puffing <laughs> and moaning and... Oh, Dario and I afterwards, when we got back down, I was just like, see, she's the, the, her um, Ngāti Ranginui side and her, by virtue of her name, gives her the ability to, like, solidly master that maunga. Mm. The rest of us, all of us are like, <sighs> like, fully, like, <laughs> running out of breath. And, and that's the difference. Like, she will experience, that. she knows that, she's experienced that, she can stand on, you know, um, the, the shoulders of her, the giants, the tupuna before her, and actually proudly say that that's my moan. I've walked it, yeah, and, and I know it. Mean. I've experienced it. So. I love that. Awesome. So, Kuri Collab, eh? uh, everything to do with movement, play, and the whole system behind it. I, I saw something about bringing indigenous perspectives into sister into the systems around us. Like, what 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 is all this jargon? What does it all mean? <laughs> that was one thing that I learned at Healthy Families. Honest to God. Oh, like spin so them off, eh? Yeah, yeah. Lingo, bingo. And, and I was very thankful for it when I came into the business space, actually, because in government, it lands to our people. Karika. Yeah. Like, what is yeah, what huh? about? <laughs> what is amplifying your voices? Yeah. What is, so um, what is yeah, all of that? Like, break it down for me. Yeah, well, I think um, in terms of unlocking Indigenous voices, that's we've got that on sort of our, our website. That is all about just um, bringing to the fore Māori perspective, mm. right? And, and if we break down, like a, we've said that we're a Māori social change agency. If we break down... Māori in general, we, we think about um, the word, well, it means normal, natural, common, ordinary, and it meant that because at the time, before European arrival, that was the case, you know, mm. it was Māori were normal, natural, ordinary and common, there were no other ethnicities, we were the indigenous people of Aotearoa, and, and like if you think about that, and in the context of our work, I guess that's what we're wanting to honour. We're wanting to honour the fact that Māori voices, Indigenous voices, um, are normal, common, ordinary, and we want to privilege those spaces um, and create more space for it to be legitimate and for it to be validated um, in spaces where you know they can have influence, mm. as opposed to being um, considered the other voice, you know, or the one that um, we should tack on to a report. Like that's happened. That's happened heaps <laughs> in the mahi, you know. Oh, yeah, I've got a lot to say about can this topic. You, but I'll can you embed <laughs> a Maori perspective, please? Or can you um, can you give us? Can you please look through this and 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 tell us where we need to add te reo Maori in there? Or can you give us a whakatoki? Or yeah, to put know, it <laughs> Can you run a porphyry? Like all of those things, right? Um, uh, what? What's wrong with that? Ah. Oh, 
Oh. Like straight up question though, yeah. like what is it about that? Because I have this conversation all the time. Yeah. You know, as a Māori and you find yourself in environments and you might be the only Māori there yeah. and you might be there because you're the only Māori and all of a sudden you're not only there to speak on behalf of your people, you're there to give everyone a real lesson mm. and teach them some tikanga while you're at it and then also bring some big perspectives all at once, you know, yeah. without getting paid. Yeah, But people don't, they still don't understand why what we're talking about here is... Is not right. Well, square peg, round hole. Like, mm. you know, you're trying to fit something into a paradigm or a, a worldview that is sometimes colliding. But isn't <laughs> that just translating the language? Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, nah. Like, and, and uh, yeah, like uh, if you break down Māori words, they do not mm. <laughs> um, mean the same in, in yeah. Te Alpākehā as they do, or in English as they do in, in Māori. And I think the reason why we as Māori get hōha in organisations is because often we are trying to build the strength base of Māori first mm. and yet are asked like to uh, tap into the Te Aupākehā side, oh but we need a whakatauki, oh yeah but hold on, we still haven't um, spent the time to really truly build the strength on this side and so whilst you're asking us to come over and play in your playground, well, our playground's not yet built. Yours yeah, has been yeah, built yeah. for a few years now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ours isn't built, so can you just let us do our own thing and carve our own Māori path so that when we can't, when we when it's built, then we have the opportunity to come over to your side and give without going back home and feeling like you'll need to be replenished, mm. you know, because otherwise it goes unreplenished, and that's yeah, the danger really in it, right? Yeah. Like the... The fact of the matter is our Māori, who are um, maybe the, f- the only Māori in an organisation, are constantly called on for all of those things, and then at the end of the day are fatigued. Mm. You know? And then also, they might not be the right person yeah, for certain totally. things. You've just seen them as the only Māori um, who should either know or have the connection into other Māori. Well, if they do have the connection into other Māori, they're also going to be really careful about wanting to bring that connection in here because then they're going to be in the same boat. Yeah, exactly. Fatigued, exactly. Or, you know, really tired from having or to be there. going to get a slap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, and that's my connect and I've built that trust and hell no. <laughs> that, uh, that, and that's yeah. a reality. Like I remember sitting with a, a local board chair um, in my time. I had a bit of time at Auckland Council um, and they struggled to understand mm. this whole concept. Um and I just remember the conversation. I remember her seeing a light bulb moment where I just said to her, it's not about, it's not about, I don't know, so it's not about like that translating te reo or putting, you know, Māori names on things. It's about allowing Māori to decide how things should be done Yeah. right from the outset. And I, honestly, just that little statement for her was enough for her to realise, yeah. oh, there is a difference here. There's something more to it. And so th- I think that whole thing, eh, about... Well, tokenism, sharing, eh? tokenism versus almost decision making mm. um, is the thing here. I've been in, in stuff recently as well where it's like they want you to come in afterwards and give your perspective and I'm like, but who even decided that's what we're going to do? Like, yep. I don't want to get behind that and give you my perspective on that. No. Yeah. There's my perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and same, I had, a, I had that exact same journey just recently and... I don't know how much money it costed this particular organisation, to be honest. So they had um, they had hired... Well, they'd gone about uh, this particular production of a report in the same way that they've always done in, in this organisation. And they... Um, yeah, essentially, they 
uh, hired report writers uh, to come and make sense of all of the thinking, mm. inclusive of Māori people in the room, but make sense of all of that thinking and write up a report, pump it out, and there it is. And, you know, afterwards I just said, oh, well, it's not. The intention of this is to be a bicultural report, right? Mm. And and it was. And I said, well, it's not. <laughs> and the reason why it's not is because the person that or the people that hold the pen on this can't talk into both worldviews. Yeah, yeah, They can yeah. only talk into one. So then what happens is you ask Māori to come and add to, like we're talking about, and it, it, that's when you tu- it turns into attack on or tokenism or, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the square peg round whole thing um, or the other way around. I always get that wrong. Um, Works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And, so, and so anyway, so I, I, I had my perspective. I, I said, look, I'll give it a go though mm. and let's see where we land with it. We... I. We finished off that sort of period where I embedded a Māori perspective into it, um, knowing quite well that it wasn't going to work. At the end of it, I said, here it is. It's forced. It doesn't flow. It, um, it is uh, trying too hard. <laughs> and it just isn't bicultural. Like, mm. it, it, no matter how many ways we try and cut this or add, it's just never going to be there. And the, pe- the reason why it's never going to be there is because of that fact that the person holding the pen isn't can't speak into both spaces and so we paused took a tactical pause another bit of jargon <laughs> a tactical pause and started again <laughs> and good on you though yeah like I, sheesh i don't know how much money that costed this particular organization but the sheer fact that the um leader that i had um could see it yeah, um, yeah. who was non-maori could see it could feel it um and heard the perspective um, and was bold enough to tell his <laughs> bosses and whatnot that it, it wasn't ever going to be written well in this way, and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't based on the skill level of those writers, too. By the way, no, 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 no. they just couldn't. Because that's the thing; it's, it goes all the way back to the inception of the concept. Yeah. Hey, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So there's there were, I guess, there's no blame on on those writers, and essentially, it also was a. A, um, indicator of where my leader was at with yeah, his yeah, yeah. sort of knowledge of and, and understanding of how to um, operate in this bicultural space, which honors mm. both, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of the space you fellas are playing in, eh? Like is, bringing the indigenous voice in is, um, into some of these tough places. What gives you the, um, I guess, the confidence to do that? I guess it's just. Um, one of the big things, Dario is more strong at this than I am, but is, is just building really good relationships with people, mm. right? So um, people um, building the the trust, you know, behind that. So And that takes time, mm. you know, when you're asked to uh, fulfil a contract and they've asked you to go and gather insights or go and talk to people. And you're like, yeah, well... Oh, sweet, so three years? Yeah. <laughs> hey, because hey, the first year is just going to be like grabbing a tea towel and going and drying some dishes because that's where the majority yeah, of the meanest exactly. it all happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that, like, honestly, that was the case with Healthy Families too. Like, the whole first year of our contract, we spent building relationships in South Auckland. Mm. And whilst we didn't necessarily have anything major to show for it on paper... Um, when it came to the second year, 
we knew our people. So as long as we'd landed on the kaupapa that was, you know, driven by the whānau from the mm. community, then we could pull on the connects instantly. We had their numbers on speed dial, you know, and and it was definitely about that. It was about building mm. trust. Who are you, actually? And you yeah, guys got yeah, any money? Yeah. And well, what does this look like? And, yeah. You know, they wanted to know all those answers before they even we even got the second foot in the door. Yeah, yeah. And then I think is the, the reason why... Um, I have some sort of confidence working into the indigenous space. Secondly, um, it's 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 awesome to be um, working alongside my husband, who is a product of the Kuruko Papa Māori movement, mm. and all facets of that. So again, massive mahi to our our giants, our tupuna, who had the foresight to um, rock and roll that movement for us. Um, I think they've done wonders for us to be able to, um, for me to sit at the table at the Crown Entity Organisation for Sport and Recreation, mm. for example, like that I'm a product of being able to, um, the path that they carved out for us. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, on, on the side of, uh, on our tahatane side of Kuriko Lev, um, we have someone who's steeped in his mātauranga, yeah. um, we have someone who's connected to his whakapapa, um, and then don't forget the village that sits around all of those too. Yeah. Um, so that's another reason why. And then on my side, we've got um, Māori, a, a Māori wahine who is the bicultural, you know, the one who has had to live and breathe the mainstream education system um, with her ao Māori, mm. you know. And, and I think that's the importance and the importance also of understanding that we have, I've been, I've been talking into... Um, some of the mahi of, of Praune Gloin recently around his concept, or I guess around this sort of a spectrum of Māori, um, where we've got mm. down one end um, our um, ahika, our ones who keep the home fires burning, our ones who um, have the, uh, us, uh, in their papakainga, are connected to their marae, can speak the real. And then on the other side, you've got our ahimātao, ones who are completely disconnected, um, know that they're Māori but don't know their whakapapa um, and don't know how to speak to reo Māori. And then you've got ahitiretire, the ones who are in the middle, which is probably where I sit, if mm. I'm honest, um, where I have connection, I have some knowledge, I have some awareness, um, but I'm certainly not at the space where I would be comf- confident and comfortable to take my whānau home and be ahika. Yeah, yeah, yet. yeah. Yeah. I say yet because, you know, it's an aspiration. But mm. um, I, I guess those are the reasons why I, I feel like um, working into the Indigenous space and unlocking those voices is, is um, I have some sort of confidence in and, and, yeah, enjoy doing anyway. Yeah, awesome. Because it's not an easy thing to do, eh? No. And it's a he- it, can be a, it can be a heavy thing sometimes to take on that, that role, I suppose, to to be able to bring the voice of other people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's cool. There's some cool things in there, relationships, yeah. time, yeah. Um, good partnership like you and Daddy or Trust. Um, yeah, the bigger Fano around that. So that's all awesome. And so what are some of the what are a couple of the I looked at a couple of the reports you did up recently. Oh, yeah. Uh, what were the most recent two? I did, uh, we did some um, Mahi in and around Atua Matua over the yeah, COVID period. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Tell me a bit about that. So Atua Matua is definitely Dr. Hirangi Hiki's baby. Um, and I guess it's in its simplest form is uh, really an, a framework which encourages you to 
uh, think about your yourself in relation to the environment, mm. um, which is choice, eh? Because we hear quite a bit about whānau-centred, people-centred, but not so much about environment-centred. And if you think about um, people in the context of our entire environment, you know, as in whenua, waterways, moon, sun, stars, we are so small. Mm. <laughs> we are only yeah, a, right. a small po- portion of that. And so that's why Matua Framework anyway helps you to engage in, um, you know, Mataranga Māori perspectives as you think about the whakapapa of things, so of rako, of um, all the way back to, to our atua. And anyways, over in probably really bad um, explanation of atua matua, he probably shoot me. But, um, <laughs> I have seen a bunch of his stuff on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Google sounds it, sounds the same Google as it. what I understand <laughs> it to be. Well, But um, well, I guess what the cool question would be is like, how is that then useful? Yeah, hard. And... And in the context of the lockdown, how is it useful when you can't get out to the ngahiri, yeah, yeah. when you can't get to the water bodies that we know replenish us in such um, cultural ways, you know? That was hard, actually. I yeah, it was. That. It was. Well, so um, we had a play around with our uh, kaitiaki, which is, he's got sort of, oh, I can't remember, levels, 25 levels, um, or mm, 25 levels. 24 within the Atua Matua framework and I think it's like level 10 in there is about kaitiaki mm. and by kaitiaki in the context of the work that we had we picked um, animals or insects so we picked three um, one was punga wirewire one was karoro oh sorry punga wirewire is the spider um, karoro is the seagull and poraka is the um, frog and so we picked those three because they were things that we could still see um, whilst we were in our home mm. on lockdown. Um, and what we did was we created, um, or we understood deeply uh, the movements of Punga Wiriwiri, for example. Um, what happens when they feel like they're under threat? What type of movement um, does it look like from a physical activity perspective? Mm. Um, uh, what happens when they build their web? Uh, what happens when... Um, they're outside and, and there's um, a massive wind. How do they move um, and how do they interact with the environment? And so anyway, we created a whole lot of uh, physical activity. Some of them were sort of just movements. Others were games uh, based around the movements and the interactions that Punga Wiriwiri had mm. with the environment. Um, yeah, and that was cool. So we started off with like little kari. Uh, so we had like an explanation about Punga Wiriwiri about some of the um, uh, whakapapa links all the way back up into Atua. Um, we talked about uh, some of the stories, some of the pūrāko that sit behind Pūnga Wiriwiri and its um, application and in terms of how we might interpret that in, in today. Mm. Uh, and then created a whole lot of games, created the kāri, created some little, I don't know if you'd call it podcasts when I come and look at this. Some kōrero Yeah, kōrero And a couple of videos Our poor children are always the um, (laughs) The people who are in the the videos Models Yeah, the models Who are in the videos and the photos And we pay them with kai Um, And cuddles And cuddles, yeah And so, um, yeah, created all all these resources um, Around atua matua at home As opposed to atua matua When you have the um, privilege and um, luxury of getting out to your Is there like a um? Because I'm I'm feeling like it's like a it's like a philosophy, right? It's a way of 
It's, it's a worldview. It's a way of seeing the world and a way of thinking about what we see. Yeah. Oh, there's some deep stuff in here and we're only, only scratching the surface. But I'm just thinking of like a parallel to what exists, like a westernised view of Jesus. movement and sport. How, like how is it so different? Oh, how is it so I different? I mean, is it is it just that all it is is categorised like you said earlier? There's sport, <sighs> there's... No, it's not. Uh, even it's less? Definitely not. Because, like, l- let's just take Wakaama, for example. Mm. So Wakaama has, it, it, it is a sport. So, you know, when you're in the regatta, Ketapai, mm. like, that's, you're competing against other people. In the context of a Western definition of sport, you are competing against others um, in, you know, whatever your sprints are, in, what, in whatever, what, a W6 or a um, double hull, whatever. Um but then from an active recreation perspective, you've also got the try and have a go stuff that's happening at mm. a Wakama regatta as well, or a competition. And then equally, you've got everything else that's happening at that Wakama regatta, which is the tiggy that's happening on the um, on the verge up there. You've got kids jumping in the way um, and having a swim. And, and all of that mm. is actually what we're talking about from a Te Ao Māori worldview, and we don't define it as sport, active rec and play. Mm. It just all is one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's that's the major difference, is that um, our words, our kupu, have multiple meanings. Our mm. whakatauki have often multiple meanings. You know, there's so much that sits behind that. Our pūrāko, there's so many learnings mm. that sit behind that. Um, and it's not just a simple translation into from one thing into another. Yeah. So what's what's the dream for you? All this mahi that you're doing, this knowledge that you're gaining, these um, resources you're creating, the opportunities that you're opening for Fano. What does it look like in the future? What does it look like in the future? Maybe from a systems perspective. Maybe from a yeah, geographical de- perspective, I don't know, however you see it. It definitely looks like impact. So mm. uh, systems change is funny. Like systems change, if you're working in there too long, uh, hoha. Yeah. Because it's the long game. It is, eh? And you don't get any sort of instant gratification that what you've done has worked or matters. Mm. And so it's all that deep-rooted ca- causes of, you know, uh, the big complex issues or whatever the jargon is. I don't actually even know what the um, proper definition is for, you know, even systems, but at the core of it, it's the interaction of a whole lot of different things and how that gets framed up or provides a structure or um, guides um, operation, you know, and like from a, I guess from a a big perspective, from a, a large system, you've got your sort of health system, your education system, of which underneath that sits, I don't know, your ECEs, your schools, your tertiary institutions, your curriculum, your assessments, your classes, your students, and, and all of that creates that system. And then at sort of like the other level, like the just me at home level, <laughs> then, <laughs> then you've got, you know, okay, after school, kids, you know what the system is really, you know, I don't say that, but they know what the system is. The system is your fellas go and have your wash, have all your, you know, play, your... Um, homework, get all of that done uh, before dinner and then let's all sit down kaitahi together and then after that mum and dad are clocking off so <laughs> fathers go on the iPad and get what you do for the last hour of your you know and that's our it system. doesn't sound very indigenous. <laughs> no it doesn't, it doesn't right? Um, but that's 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 the general system Yeah, and, yeah. and I think sometimes 
um, you know, that those ones go for, get taken for granted. Mm. You know, those ones that actually work, some, sometimes it doesn't work. Watching hour is really hard in our family mm. <laughs> when everybody wants a piece of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes they don't work. And, and I think at that point you've got to understand, well, yeah, what is the long-term change that we're looking to um, to make here? And, and so when I'm working in systems change, I always have to do that and something else. Yeah, that's the. I totally get that because otherwise we like do the same here. You know what I do? We uh, do clothing. Yeah, something that easy, you know, creative, yeah. quick turnaround, light, yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that for me is teaching. Yeah. So teaching. You know, I did that for so long that going back into it after being at Healthy Families, like, was really cool because when you get a student from not knowing to knowing, and you can see that light bulb mm. moment happening. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, did my job today. Yeah. I can go to sleep and be happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, you know, the long game for us, what's the long, sorry, back to your point. Yeah, stalling, huh? come sorry. on, answer the question. The um, even I'm he- sitting here trying to imagine, like, is it about um, maramataka being the main thing? Yeah. The yeah. main calendar for Aotearoa? Is it about, like, is it that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think it definitely is um, influencing in the spaces that uh, will be able to create that long-term change. So, mm. so hence the reason why Sport New Zealand is a um, is the space I want to be in right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were sitting in a hui the other day where we'd sort of shared all our voices um, and then the report was created and then this awesome wahine stood up and she said, yeah, all of that is cool and all of it represents our voices but none of our names are on there. Mm. And then sh- and then she goes and and I'm not saying that from a sort of a fakahihi perspective, I'm saying that from the fact that these are all our contemporary fakatoki, that our babies and their babies and their babies um, will be able to say that my mum sat at the table at wherever, and um, was a part of that kaupapa mm. and this is what she had to say and that's her papa back to that whakatauki. Yeah, yeah. That's her papa to be able to say, stand up and go, my mum said this and so I'm obligated to be here. Mm-hmm. I have a voice here and, and I have a place here. Yeah. So I don't know how to articulate that, but that is it's the long-term right. goal. Yeah. Like yeah. the long-term goal is that my babies and their babies and their babies know that they can stand strong in Aotearoa, have a voice, be valued, um, know that uh, who they are as Māori is legitimate um, and normal. Mm. Yeah, that's the view. It's sort of like the long-term vision. How to get there? Um, yeah, at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> the it's so complex, though. Eh? The reality is, and I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know if we understand it to as full as we have to live it. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just so many layers to that. Like even when I'm thinking like sport as a starting point, and then what does that flow on to? Like health. Yeah. But then like. Health, maybe wealth, economic our, well-being yeah yeah in our in our space education like it's it yep. just keeps going eh yeah totally and i you know the other space like when well daddy or actually in terms of cortico lab i just disclaimer here it's predominantly nikki that's working in the cortico <laughs> lab at the moment daddy still holds a full-time job and it's just been the um, ball say it's just been yeah appointed the the ceo the kai matua for toy tangata and and like that again is Another reason is that is part of the long-term goal. Like if you've got someone who um, is the CEO, is the first Kaupapa Māori, product of the Kaupapa Māori um, um, 
system at Toi Tangata and, and is in that space. If you've got um, a mum who is doing her PhD and could potentially be a doctor, not one that can save people, but one that, um, <laughs> you know, has, has got into Saves the... Saves people in other ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and has got into the t- sort of top of her game in, in relation to academia and who is having a voice at the, 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 the table that, you know, s- essentially creates policies and frameworks for our entire country. Those are the... That's, that's where we're headed and we're... I guess we don't need to be, um, we don't need those roles necessarily to make us feel like we're doing well because mm. our most important roles are as mama and papa to our fortamariki. Yeah. That's the, that 100% that's the most important role but at the moment it's, it's role modelling to them and to others um, that they can aspire to that and mm. that they can be that. It's not out of their reach. Yeah. Um, Dario and, and his appointment into that space for... Wani Waititi and the Kura kids is is an example of what they can strive to be, and so yeah. you know that some of the anyway. I'm That's going beautiful. On. Eh? Yeah. Um, we a lot of the, what we're trying to no, no not a lot. One of the things I've been learning as we've been building what we're building here at Ngahiri, um, and that I talk to people about a lot, especially people that don't understand what we're trying to do, is I always talk about how we try and create environments where our people can thrive, mm. and how every mm. living thing has certain elements that it needs in order for it to thrive in its environment and they're all different and unique. And so why are Māori and Pacifica not thriving in the Pākehā environments that have been made for them? I have people say to me all the time, you know, what's the point in doing a space like this for Māori? Why don't they just go use the other ones? Why don't they just learn to handle the real world? You know, things like that. And I think in my frustration, (laughs) at first I couldn't like argue with them properly I'd just get hoha and I wouldn't say the right things and then they'd just win almost <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think that was where I kind of found my own narrative and where I could help them see as well like to be in an environment where um like <laughs> we talk to people all the time that they won't employ anyone if they don't wear shoes and we're like why do you need to wear shoes <laughs> like why do you wear shoes inside anyway well that's weird <laughs> Good point. yeah you fellas are weird wearing shoes inside now <laughs> But it's the simple things like that, eh, where you can come into a place where uh, some places love to have kuri in their, in their whare, where like, nah, no kuri, but, but kids. Mm. You know, this is a place for whānau, you can bring your kids to work if you need to. Any day, it doesn't have to be bring your kids to work day. You know, there'll be a guitar over there, you'll hear people singing. Um, if it's kapahaka season, sometimes people are practising their kapahaka. And the environment that you create and allow um, for our people to be in is the thing that we're trying to create here that is the point of difference. And... So that's been a pretty cool journey to be able to, I guess, figure that out, articulate that. I use that all the time, environments to thrive. Yeah. That is a, a point of difference that, that we're trying to do. But my, well, probably my one last question is your thoughts around uh, biculturalism. Mm. Also multiculturalism, but I feel like I stick to biculturalism and the role that that plays in this future that you see. Yeah. Is it bicultural or not? For me it is. Yeah. Like And, and aroha to our Pacific cousins, but... At the moment, like I said before, our strength base for Māori in Aotearoa isn't built. So I, I feel like first and foremost, and based on the fact that we were here, we're the indigenous people of the of Aotearoa, we need to build that significantly um, before we have the opportunity to um, head over to the other side and, and, and help help bring our other people on board the waka, I think. You know, from a bicultural perspective, essentially, this is my this is this is my PhD thesis. <laughs> to be honest, 
Um, so it's I don't know if this is going to be articulated right. Hey, doc. The doc. You know, <laughs> the um, the overarching question is what needs to happen for Matauranga Māori to flourish alongside contemporary concepts of physical activity, and in this context, that's I guess your Tao Pakia side, and and I think at the interface of all of that is. Um, you know, Kaupapa Māori has carved the path for us, mm. um, but we are very much still in the space where um, we are revitalising, reclaiming, restoring, um, re-indigenising ourselves, and that's going to take time, mm. and um, we're trying to do it fast, but before we can get to our Pacific cousins, before we can get to our South Asian cousins and, and stuff like that, me and my role... And and inherent is is definitely a focus on mm. uh, Maori, and then working that into um, our dominant Western Pakeha systems. Yeah, at the moment I can't even I can't even think about the multicultural at the moment because we haven't got our own backyard mm. intact. Yeah. yeah, you get what I mean. I do, I do get yeah. what you mean, and I do think I do as much as I. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm bicultural. I have a Maori mum yeah. and a Pakeha dad, and they you know, lived through that, um, what that was like for them was even harder than what it was for me. Yeah. Um, and so I I never, as much, I was raised in Te Ao Māori though, I was raised with my Māori, Māori whānau, my nana koro raised me a lot, gave gave me a lot of my, my knowledge and stuff, but I think maybe because of that I feel more comfortable in the fact that it should be bicultural yeah. here in Aotearoa, but I know that there's a, a lot of work that needs to be done to make that real, yeah. uh, actual equal. Um, but also a lot of conversations where people are like, no, it should be just Māori, just Māori. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know, I guess I personally... I like to know what people think about that. Well, you're both. But I don't, yeah, I am both. Well, up, but I also think that we are... Aotearoa is, whether we like it or not, mm. um, it is what it is. And I think I think that we need to make the most of that as opposed to throw throw the baby out with the bathwater. Oh, i got a question for you. Okay. Can I interview <laughs> you? Yeah, go for it. Um... When you're asked to uh, pepe, or like when you're asked to introduce yourself, mm. do you talk about your fuck up of a Pakeha? Yes, sometimes. Hey, sometimes I do, and because recently, one th- one thing is my dad has always been interested in his um, family tree, and um, even more so being married to a Maori who had a strong, you know, my koro held a lot of fuck papa, and so. We had access to all of that, whereas he was sitting there not knowing much about what he, where he was from, and so he. We were lucky enough when I was a small child, there was a, a whānau reunion held in, in Petone, which is where our our Yudi is from. Um, so he got to be a part of that, and he got to find all these like heaps and heaps and heaps of family tree. Um, and then a few years ago, I reckon maybe I had kind of just left, just embarked on my self-employment journey so maybe about five years ago um, my dad was kind of digging into it a bit more again mm. and so him me my dad and my nephew went on this little hidinger and we went down to uh, Wairarapa which is essentially my, my dad's side uh, our tupuna came to Aotearoa in 1840 on a waka called oh no what's it called I was going to say the Tory but it's not I've forgotten no I have to remember it now but um and landed in Petone, uh, settled there. They came from Cornwall, um, settled there and helped establish uh, the Cornish community down there. Wow. They survived through floods and fires. Um, one of one of the younger boys that was born into that whānau drowned in the Hutt River 
Tawakairangi while they lived there and then they eventually ended up moving over the hills and into Wairarapa. Um, have a history there of two of our, our tupuna that were mayor of uh, Greytown. So there's still whānau in there and then um, my dad's fam- family ended up moving up to the Waikato and so my dad grew up in Waikato and stuff like that. So in the right environments, I will share that side as well. It just depends on where I am. Like any, I don't know if you're the same, but you read the room yeah. and depending on the room will depend on how much you're going to give them of who you are. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I just give them my name. Yeah. That's all I want them to have. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's yeah. true, eh? Yeah. I, um... I was challenged significantly in the master's journey around uh, the fact of the matter was I can proudly stand up and fuck up up Māori, mm. but why like why aren't I able to do that um, for my Pākehā side? And uh, throughout the journey in tracking that the Takitimu Waka, I was able to um, dive a little bit deeper into some of the battles that happened up and down the country as well. Mm. And then um, at the same time, I wanted to delve into my Pākehā side, of which we have Cornish. Duke of Roxborough, that's the waka. <laughs> Got oh, it. True. There you go. Yeah. Oh, Carry on. Nice. Carry on. Yeah, um, Cornish as well. Yeah, Cornish yeah. as well. Uh, a little bit Dalmatian. Mm. Um, lots of different things. And, and it was interesting because my mum's sister came to me during my writing up of my thesis, right at the final period, where I was having this real bad, like, um, fuffi with myself mm. around. Um, I just discovered one of my tupuna, um, Colin Henry Balnevis, um, had been responsible for um, a major massacre up at Ruapikapika. Oh, wow. And I was sitting next to my sister over here, who's whanua from Ruapikapika. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here, like, going, understanding uh, more deeply about one of my whanau, and then, yeah, just sort of having a real fuffi with yeah, myself about how do I stand up and be proud of this of that. Yeah. papa when that happened? And then equally I was starting to delve into my Māori papa, and, you know, was starting to t- um, read a, f- a bit of about um, Kahunganu and his mischievousness mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of the things that he was responsible for in trying to court all my wahine um, of which her husband at the time um, drowned after falling off a waka because Kahungane had taken him out on, you know. And so there's what I what I came to settle with was the fact that um, it was telling of the time, mm. like we it was a war. War was upon us at that time, and um, nice. and so. I can actually proudly fuck up papa to this tupuna. And so when I um, started to dig a little bit deeper into him, I found that he was actually in Parnell and buried in Parnell. And I had a look and he was like a linguist of like, um, could speak nine languages. He was a colonel of this, uh, um, uh, a governor general of this. It was all these amazing leadership things that, you know, people should be proud of, mm. um, but he was responsible for this. So uh, anyway, I decided I was going to um, drop my mate off. Actually, I didn't decide I was going to see him. I knew he was there, but I decided to go and drop my mate off um, into Parnell, which I never go to because it's, you know, not South Auckland. No, I, I just I never <laughs> go there. Got no, yeah, got no reason to be there. Anyway, dropped her off there, and then my auntie came to me. Um, like, she, she passed away when I was a few years ago anyway. Anyway, she came to me, and... Um, she didn't say anything, but um, I sort of got a bit of a fright, and then I pulled over to the side, and then 
Um, anyways, I got a beep from behind. I was in a bus lane. So I got the do-do-do and I was just like, okay, sweet, okay. I don't know what's happening here. Sort of um, got back on the road and then I started to drive again and she came to me again and like I was compelled to go and pull over into a proper park this time. Mm. Anyways, I pulled over and then I realised I was in Parnell and just like a week prior I'd read that this tupuna of mine was buried in, um, in Judges Bay. Mm. And so I was just like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, um, this is what I'm thinking is the right thing to do. I'll travel to Judges Bay just to, you know, it's five minutes. I Googled it. It was like three minutes, I think, mm. up the road from where I was. Anyways, I took the road that it said to take me down and I ended up on the only road that I know in Parnell, which is Garfield Street. Mm. And Garfield Street was the street that my auntie that had came to me lived on for oh, a period wow. of time. So at that point, I got like a little bit emotional mm. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, okay, auntie. Like, I, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, like, I'm going there. Anyway, so we went there, and um, I found the spot, and I had a little look around. I'm like, I, I don't I even know what whether he is here, like, or whether this was just in Wikipedia. <laughs> Anyways, I walked around, and it was, like, the third row, uh, first person in the third row, um, and I found him. And at that point, I must, I just felt, like, in that moment, like, just total aroha. Like, not, none of this, like, resentment for the fact that he'd, you know, been responsible for leading this troop of army into this massacre of um, uh, people from Rua Pika Pika or anything like that. It was just, like, whānau. Mm. Like, so I touched his um, graveside and I was just like, man, this is papa. this is whānau. And at that point, I felt a whole lot more comfortable mm. to pepeha into my taha pākehā mm. because again it's that same thing with walking your maunga when you've touched it when yeah. it's when it's something that's not written into documents and you can feel it mm. it's different yeah and and yeah I, I just thought I would ask you that because I wanted to know yeah I was having this real internal fafai with myself yeah. but have come to a toe space with it now yeah but I know that so many people who will proudly stand up in in pepeha Māori yeah but not to there. Yeah, and the reality is, I think we we romanticise our tupuna, mm. um, and That's we do, true. and we focus on like we've never met them. We don't know what they were like. We don't know their characteristics or anything. And it's, we're really lucky in that that Matauranga got saved. But yeah. I think we just assume that they were all amazing, you know, and strong warriors and weren't violent or. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And even in the more recent years, you know, when domestic violence and mm. sexual violence and all that come in, like I think all of us will have that. Unfortunately, through through what our people went through, all of that in there. So I don't think I think the same. I, I went through similar. I don't know a lot about um, you know specific acts that Alfano might have been involved in, but I know that if they were the mayor of a place like Greytown in the the time that they were, oh, I would say there would be a lot of colonization going on and stuff like that. Um, I know, but I also know that they came over as a whānau that was brave enough to travel that ocean yeah. to come over from Cornwall on the promise of a better life and they came into Te Whanganui Atara when it was nothing but bush yeah. and they helped chop the trees down and, and build like I'm proud of that yeah. that's that's something to be proud of that that pioneering spirits on both sides of, of my whānau so 100% yeah 100% mean eh so cool mean alright alright 
hour seven. Sorry. That was mean as. Just cut. That was choice. That. Thank you so much, Nikki, for coming okay. in. What an awesome court at all. Um, never know. We might have to do it again, eh? Oh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and hopefully there's something in there that's useful. That was awesome. Oh. Kakite. Kakite.